Welcome to the Couch Potatoes. I'm Brett McGarry. This week, Marvel and DC are making a big splash. I'm Jeff Braun. The Snyder Cut of Justice League has arrived, and so have the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. The Oscar nominations also came out this week, and I'll review one of the Best Picture nominees. And I'll tell you about a fascinating new show on Netflix called The One. And no, it's not about Neo, although that'd be a fun plot twist. I spent a lot of time trying to divide us. I made a promise to him on his grave. I need to bring us together. It is finally here. The movie that fans willed into existence, Zack Snyder's Justice League. The original Justice League debuted in 2017, assembling DC's big superheroes, Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, The Flash, Aquaman, and Cyborg. It was not all that great. Zack Snyder was the original director, but he had to leave due to a family tragedy. There were also creative differences. Joss Whedon took over and made a mess of it. Now we've got the Snyder Cut. So for a long time, many avid fans have been calling on Warner Brothers to release the Snyder Cut, and it's finally happened, and there's a new bad guy. That was the voice that you just heard of Darkseid. He is the big bad guy, the villain from the original movie, Steppenwolf. He's still there, but he's just one of Darkseid's acolytes. This movie has been released in the U.S. on HBO Max, and in Canada, you can watch it on Crave, it debuted on Thursday. Oh, and it's uh, four hours long. It's time to stand. Fight. Full disclosure, even though you might be hearing this on the weekend, we record this show on Thursday afternoons. So we have not seen Zack Snyder's Justice League yet. As soon as I'm done here today, I'm going home to try to tear through it. And then we're going to discuss it further next week. In the meantime, you can follow us on social media at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y, or Jeff B. Braun. Is that your handle on both uh, the Twitters and the Instagrams? I believe so, and the extra B is for booyah. <laughs> I've always wondered. I've always been curious. What's the extra B? So I'll, <laughs> I'll definitely have some stuff to say about it on the tweeters and the Instagrams. At last check, 77% on Rotten Tomatoes. So it doesn't sound like it is the be-all, end-all of superhero movies, but by and large... From all accounts, it is much better than the original. And apparently it has more heart and more hope. One of the big criticism, uh, criticisms against the Snyderverse, he did Ben of Steel and uh, Batman versus Superman, Dawn of Justice, is that his movies are just too dark, too dour. So I'm excited to go home and rip through this. But four hours? Never would a four-hour movie for superheroes be released in theaters. But I guess since they went the HBO Max route, they figure... Why not? So, Jeff, what do you think? Four hours? Too much? Too little? What? It's like uh, it's like Seinfeld's bit about uh, the the undertow, the riptide. He's like, you want to come into the ocean? Why not come in 30 miles into the ocean? It's like, you want the Snyder Cut? Here's four bloody hours of the thing. You'll make you 
it's going to shut everyone down. They won't wish the fans won't get snarky and wish for something like this again because it's like, well, that was just too long. So I don't know. It's 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 fine. It's awesome. It, it makes it more of an event. It you know adds some fun just talking about it to say that it's four hours long. Sitting through all four hours, I don't know. But again, like you said, it's uh, on HBO Max or Crave in Canada. You're watching it at home. You can watch two hours and, you know, take a break for a couple hours and then come back and watch the rest. Why wouldn't you do that, right? And they were talking, there was speculation that it was going to be released as a four-episode miniseries, which I actually didn't mind that at all. So you could still do it that way. But, uh, yeah, like I would never be able to sit through four hours in a movie theater. I think the longest I've ever sat through a movie theater was... Lord of the Rings, Return of the King. Even the re- theatrical cut, I think, was three hours, 45 minutes. It doesn't exceed four hours until you get the ex- uh, extended version, and that's tough to get through. But um, I'm just I'm excited because, A, I don't really remember all that much about the original movie. I remember it being okay, but basically instantly forgettable. Like, it just had no heart. But uh, from, yeah. what I, from what I understand, there were several reshoots for this. And, I mean, I guess he's going to use his original stuff as well that Joss Whedon didn't end up using or ended up altering. So it, look, it, it looks like the bones of the movie are there, but it looks like a completely different film. And I, that excites me. Well, sure. Like, I... I'd... I think I didn't. I don't even think I knew Darkseid was in this. And as soon as you said it, I was like, "Was he in the other one?" And then you said Steppenwolf. I was like, "Oh, that's right." I also can't remember the, the theatrical cut of Justice League. I did see it in theaters, and that was 2017. So that's coming up on four years ago, and that is—it's all but escape. It's just gone from my brain. I, I have a vague recollection of Aquaman saying "my man" in it, but. Uh, <laughs> That's the only thing I remember out of that movie. So this would sort of be brand new, or though, or maybe it'll come flooding back to me once I start watching it. That sort of thing. But and uh, so, I mean, it's a, we're maybe a bit late now, but we should have thought of this like a month ago. Should have rewatched the original Justice League to compare and contrast. But I guess that's out of the question for you. Eh? Well, here's the thing, and th- this is just a sign of how cheap I am. But Justice League is not available on any streaming services. From what I can tell, like if when I look it up on my, when I just, you know, hold up my Shaw Blue Curve remote and say Justice League to see if it pops up on Netflix or Prime Video, it just comes up as a rental, $4.99. I could uh, rent the movie for five bucks. Like that's not the end of the world. But knowing that it's not that great of a movie, I wasn't that interested. And yeah. to be quite frank, I wanted to go in as fresh as possible. So I wasn't looking to see all of the things they changed. Like, oh, that scene is different or that's different. I just want to go in fresh and try to enjoy it for what it is. Because that first movie, you could see some of Zack Snyder's work, you could, the tone. And then when we, it was like it became a different movie almost. So, yeah, I'm, I'm pumped. And it it's too bad because there I don't believe there are any plans for them to make a follow up, and I don't think this movie is even going to tie into where they're go the direction they're now going with the DC extended universe movies. But of course, I've already seen people calling for restore the Snyder verse. <laughs> so oh that's going to be the next thing is people are now going to be saying restore the Snyder verse and uh, maybe ditch out of the current plan for these DC movies. I guess we'll find out. Are you yeah. are you planning to watch it this week? Uh, 
This week, I, I am making no promises. You, you're going to review it next week, so I, I know that I don't have to watch it this week. <laughs> so no promises, and I, I haven't really planned out a four-hour block anywhere. So I don't know. I, I do want to watch it eventually to see if it is just, I don't know, just to see what a four-hour superhero movie looks like, period. Never mind uh, all the baggage that this thing is bringing into it. I should point out, in terms of how you access this, I was curious because when I want to look up something on Crave, typically I just watch that through my PVR, through my cable provider, which is Shaw. So I just hold up the remote. I say whatever. I say Crave, and it brings up all of the stuff that's on Crave, but it doesn't bring it up in the app. Like when you click on the Netflix button or whatever, it brings you to the Netflix app, which looks pretty standard, whether you're watching it on uh, through your PVR, or you're watching it on doing pulling it up on your phone or on your smart TV or a Blu-ray player or computer, whatever. But when I pull it up through my PVR, it did not bring up the app. So I, I tried for Zack Snyder's Justice League, and the first thing that popped up was when it was airing on Crave. So the first time it's airing on Crave is Saturday night. So I had to uh, pull up, I had to search for the Crave app in my smart TV. So I found the app and then I have to log into the app. I can't, I mean, I haven't logged into the Crave app and I don't know how long because it's always just been there through my cable, right? So, uh, but if you have access to the app either on your phone or you got a smart TV, you should be able to find it that way. Even if you don't have it through a smart TV, maybe you've got it on your phone at a, uh, like a Chromecast, you should be able to Chromecast it to your television. So it might take you a minute to find it, but once you find it, four hours Buckle up. In a moment, we're going to switch from DC to Marvel because they too are having some fun this week, just two weeks after their first show wrapped up. We'll tell you what's coming up on Disney Plus next. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Brett. He's Jeff. We are The Couch Potatoes. We just told you about Justice League, Zack Snyder's Justice League, now available on Crave. We have not yet seen it because we're recording this on Thursday, so we will have, at least I will have, a review for you next week. But also new this week, as of Friday on Disney+, Plus, and we have seen the first episode of this, just two weeks removed from the end of Marvel's first TV show on the streaming service, we've got our second the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. So we're partners, co-workers. Not necessarily a team. No. Anthony Mackie is back as Falcon, who has no superpowers, but he has a super suit that lets him fly around really fast and look cool. Sebastian Stan is back as Bucky Barnes, a.k.a. the Winter Soldier. Like Captain America, he has increased strength, speed, agility, etc. And he has a ferocious metal arm, which looks really cool. The series follows the events of Avengers Endgame, six months after Endgame. Captain America's gone. He's passed on the shield to Falcon. Both main characters were good friends of Cap, and they're now sort of both trying to figure out their place in the world without Cap, and they will soon have to come together to face a familiar foe. Superheroes cannot be allowed to exist. I have no intention to leave my work unfinished. That's the voice of, well, should I say? Now, you know what? I'll just leave it. If you recognize it, great. And if not, then maybe it'll be a surprise. Eventually, they team up. And as you might recall, they did not like each other in the movies. So this should be a fun pairing. I thought we were going to go left. You went the wrong way. I cleared the way. I came out first. You're supposed to follow me. It's in every action movie. 
Now, unlike WandaVision, which ran for nine episodes, this one will be six episodes, but the episodes will be a bit longer, coming in around 40 to 45 minutes each, whereas WandaVision was around a half hour. So it'll probably feel like the same amount of time. We got to watch the first episode courtesy of a sneak peek from Disney. Jeff, what did you think? I thought it was a a good premiere episode, but it was almost entirely just you know, table setting, nothing really happens, but they set the stage for the things that will happen down the line. Unlike WandaVision, which opened with a bunch of kind of WTF episodes where we didn't know what was going on, what what reality even was in that situation. This is much more your standard Marvel presentation. WandaVision was out of left field, you know, at the start anyways, before ending in a much more typical MCU manner. And that's, that's this is, you know, what we sort of expected. It's a Marvel movie, but you know, longer. It's a TV season. So frankly, they'll probably be able to take this whole season of Falcon and the Winter Soldier and condense it to a two and a half hour movie, like uh, the 45 minutes of episode one, they could shrink that down to 20 minutes pretty easily, I would think, and not lose a whole lot of stuff. So, And, and it feels like the first 20 minutes of a movie, like I was saying. It's just the, the getting to know you kind of section. Smartly, though, they, you know, they open with a cool action scene, but after that, there's a little bit of action here and there, but it's introductions to the characters, and even only a very little about plot is far as we know anyways uh it also it did scratch this itch i've had since endgame about what life is like in the mcu after the five-year blip spider-man far from home covered some of it of course but that movie you know very quickly went into its own plot with mysterio and everything and wandavision didn't really cover it at all except for the part that directly affected wanda like the death of vision so here we sort of get to see what the world and how life is for everyone after the blip that's good and you know it's still freaky to think about half the people disappearing and then coming back five years later like the the repercussions for that would just be mind-boggling, and they get into it a little bit in the first episode. But the other thing is, you know, while the MCU can be kind of predictable to the degree that, you know, we know that Falcon and the Winter Soldier are going to fight bad guys and win the day, it does come in a few different flavors, the MCU. We get magic and supernatural things with WandaVision and Doctor Strange and some of the others. We get space stuff with Thor and the Guardians of the Galaxy. And then we get regular humans to some degree, and the military and kind of lighter sci-fi stuff in this world. Um, Both these guys, like you said, came in with Captain America, so it's military-based. There's guns and punching and kicking and missiles instead of, like, you know, Wanda throwing magic energy balls at people or mind control. So I'd be very surprised if we get any multiverse chatter in uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, but we're going to get a lot of guns and a lot of punching. And that's, uh, that's fun for me. Like my favorite movie in the whole MCU is the Winter Soldier, Captain America. And what I like about that is all the hand-to-hand combat and the the gunfight in the streets and the car chases and that. So this one's going to really be up my alley, I think. It's a good start. I'm hungry for the next episode. I'm a little worried there might be too much padding that they did take the plot of a you know two-hour movie and have stretched it into six episodes. But uh, so far, so good. And can't see with can't wait to see what's next. And if you were a fan of Captain America: The Winter Soldier, particularly on the hand-to-hand combat, then you will enjoy a cameo in this first episode from a rather prominent mixed martial artist who appeared in that film. Now, I I thought those first ten minutes, like that opening action sequence with Falcon, was as thrilling as anything we've seen in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I was on the edge of my seat. I was. Like it, it took my breath away. It was so exciting. So I'm happy that they have not skimped 
on cost, clearly. Like, we're, WandaVision was sort of light on its visual effects for the most part, but this one, they clearly spared no expense. It was so thrilling, and it was good. To, I think it's good that we're going to get to see more of him, like, where they actually put the focus on Falcon. He's not just yeah. a supporting character. He's one of the two lead characters. I'm excited to see the interplay between Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and... Uh, how do we say it? Is it Falcon or Falcon? Because I heard them say Falcon <laughs> in the show, but it just feels so weird saying Falcon. It's either, I think it's a Canada-US thing. I think Canada's Falcon, US is Falcon, or <laughs> it's regional across the continent, and maybe it varies between Falcon and Falcon in both the US and Canada, depending on where and which part of either country you're in. I don't know. We, we always say Falcon in our part of the world, Brett, so I'm going with Falcon. Yeah, okay. Yeah, let's go with Falcon as well. So once again, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, the first episode has made its debut on Disney+. Plus. New episodes every Friday, six episodes in total. Up next, the Oscars. The nominations are out, and Jeff has seen one of the Best Picture nominees. Details in a moment. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. Welcome back to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Jeff. He's Brett. And it's time to talk some Oscars now. The nominations for the 93rd Academy Awards came out this week. Only eight films nominated for Best Picture. There could have been ten on the list. We're going to Chicago. The Child of Chicago 7, The Father, Judas and the Black Messiah, Mank, Minari, Nomadland, Promising Young Woman, and Sound of Metal. In the directing category, two women nominated in the same year for the first time ever. Be back soon. Nomadland's Chloe Zhao and Promising Young Woman's Emerald Fennell. Thomas Vinterberg was a surprise nominee for the film Another Round. Minari's Liazik Chung and Manx's David Fincher also nominated the Oscars. Air April 25th on ABC. Jason Nathans and ABC News, Hollywood. Now, last year when they announced the nominations, I had already also I had already seen all of the Best Picture nominees. That was the first time that had ever happened. I was very proud of myself. This year, eh, not so much. I had seen two of eight at the nomination date, and now I've seen three, so I still have some work to do. The general consensus seems to be that while the eight nominated movies are all good. None of them are really blowing anybody away. Not like we usually see with the Oscars, where at least one movie or maybe a few really get people excited. Of the three that I've seen, Mank, The Trial of the Chicago 7, and Sound of Metal, I'd agree. I enjoyed them all, two of them quite a lot. But the Blu-rays won't be on my shelf like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Little Women, Ford vs. Ferrari, and Parasite from last year all are, or in the case of Parasite, will be. I'm still waiting for the Criterion Collection to put that puppy on sale. Now, last year was also sort of unusually good for the Oscars, so it's not really fair to compare them year to year like that. This year, it's been much more muted in terms of buzz, though, because the theaters, of course, have been closed, and already movies haven't been top of mind. Sure, people have still watched movies, but streaming shows is much more popular, and a lot of people have also been using the time to fill in the gaps of their viewing history. Why watch a new Netflix movie when I can watch uh, one of the many classics I've been meaning to get to for years that I know has got to be good because it's a classic? Not to mention the fact that a lot of what would have been a contender has simply been uh, pushed back. I mean, if there wasn't, wouldn't have been a pandemic, we would have had Steven Spielberg's remake of West Side Story come out last year, for example, and that was something that surely would have been nominated for Oscars. So it's kind of an asterisk year, but again, the crop of nominees are pretty good, and again, the eight Best Picture nominees are, and I'll tell you where to watch them, a movie called The Father, starring Anthony Hopkins, 
Can't watch that anywhere yet. That comes out on video on demand on March 26th. So one more week before we can put our eyeballs on that puppy. Um, Judas and the Black Messiah, you can rent. That costs about $25 to rent that one at the moment. That price might come down before the Oscars. Uh, usually when the nominations are announced, all of a sudden there's all sorts of shuffling in the theaters where movies get put back into theaters and that. So that's not really happening this year, of course, but maybe some of the rental fees will come down to try and get people to buy it a little bit easier. Um, Mank. Mank is on Netflix. You can watch out whenever you want right now. If you have Netflix, Minari is a $15 to $20 rental. Nomadland will come out on Disney Plus Star on April 9th. Uh, Promising Young Woman is a $5 rental on Cineplex. And actually, I think that one blew a little bit wider in the last couple of days. That might be available to rent for $5, 6 or $7 in a bunch of different places right now. The Sound of Metal, uh, that's a 5 or $6 rental. I'm going to talk about that one in a couple of minutes. I rented it for, I think, $6 on my, through my cable box. And The Trial of the Chicago 7, that is out on Netflix right now. You can watch it whenever you want. And again, the Oscars to be handed out April 25th. How that ceremony is going to look, what it's all going to be, we still don't really know. I know that uh, Steven Soderbergh of uh, Ocean's Eleven and Traffic and Aaron Brockovich fame is producing it this year, and he's a very creative guy, so he might come up with something hopefully more interesting than uh, what we saw with the Golden Globes, which was just another three hours of people on zoom and it's that's that i am zoom fatigued out as far as award shows go so hopefully the oscars can come up with something a little bit better but uh, also all these award shows have seen a massive drop in their ratings so i don't know they might not even try that hard because what's the point knowing hardly anyone's going to watch this thing i don't know brett what do you think about the oscars this year i have no interest i have not oh. seen any of those movies and yep. i quite frankly don't care. <laughs> and I, that, that's a really dismissive attitude. And I know that these movies, I'm sure, are all very good. Like some, I know a lot of people have watched this Chicago 7 movie. They love it. And I, I just, I don't care. I can't be bothered. So, meh. That's it, eh? That's it. That, that one you could see for free, too, on Netflix. That I know. cost you a penny. <laughs> I know. I just don't care. You will care next year, Brett, when... Zack Snyder's Justice League, the four-hour cut, is nominated for 17 Oscars. <laughs> that's when you will care. Yeah, that's right. Ben Affleck is best actor as Batman. That's a. I would actually love to see that. That'll never happen. Okay, so that's uh, the state of things going into Oscar season. And like I said, I've I, when they made the announcement, I had seen two of eight, which leaves me with six more, and there's six weeks to Oscar. So I am going to review one a week until uh, we get to the big night. And this week, the movie is Sound of Metal. Mr. Stone, your hearing is deteriorating rapidly. lost is not coming back I can't hear you do you understand me I can't I'm dead I'm dead Sound of Metal stars Riz Ahmed he played Bodhi in Rogue One a Star Wars story is it Bodhi or Bodhi Bodhi you, it is Bodhi okay yeah. just like a uh, point break <laughs> 
Got it. Um, he's also been <laughs> in some TV shows you may have seen, like The OA or The Night Of, and he's had small parts in lots of movies. There's a pretty good chance you'll recognize him. He plays Ruben, a heavy metal drummer. He's part of a metal duo with his girlfriend, Lou, played by Olivia Cook. She was also in uh, Ready Player One. He, uh, She screams things and plays guitar while he's on drums, and that's their whole band. There's no bass player. There's no second guitar. It's just the two of them. It's kind of an interesting band to have. Uh, they live in this Airstream trailer RV that they tour around the U.S. in, playing in clubs. They are not a big name by any means, of course. They have to set up a merch table in the lobby of the clubs that they play in, that sort of thing. But they're ha- they're young. They're having fun. They're getting it done. Um, he's also a recovering drug addict of four years. And one day, just like that, he loses his hearing. It was probably already quite damaged to some degree, but one day as they're setting up that merch table, he experiences almost total hearing loss, which obviously really freaks him out. It seems to come and go for a day, but it is clearly going, so he rushes to the doctor, and he finds out that, yeah, that hearing is not coming back, not without these cochlear implants, which cost a lot of money that they just don't have, and then... Most of the movie is set in this rural deaf community where Ruben must, as we hear from Joe, who runs a place, quote, learn how to be deaf. The community also caters to recovering addicts who are deaf because there's some worry that, you know, the drastic shock and change in his life will throw off his recovery. So he stays there to to learn how to be deaf. And that's what he does. He has to go to school with little kids and learn sign language and that sort of thing. And most of all, he has to sort out his mental health about it all. And the movie is just gripping. His initial shock and frustration and horror is not something I'd wish upon my worst enemy. And, you know, while most of us are not heavy metal drummers, all of us will experience a degree of hearing loss over our lifetimes. So it's pretty relatable. Lots of people in our industry have hearing problems. Brett, uh, deafness runs in my family. So a lot of this kind of hit home in a big way with me. My hearing is definitely not what it used to be, but I'm much more careful now not to expose myself to loud noises. I usually keep my headphones turned down as quiet as I can, and I don't listen to loud music anymore. Like I went to a, a really great Guns N' Roses concert a few years ago, and that did some actual damage to my hearing. They have ears have not fully recovered from this, that GNR concert. And so the, like the next year, I did not go to see Slayer, even though I really wanted to go see Slayer. So again, watching Ruben lose his hearing and his life as he knew it, it it's kind of crushing. And Riz Ahmed gives this amazing, very grounded performance. He, he's not the favorite, but he is nominated for Best Actor. And if he wins, I won't mind at all. Um, there always seems to be a temptation for actors, you know, to go over the top when there's uh, a quote unquote disability involved, but Ahmed plays it very realistically, I thought. So, you know, that's what the movie's about, but as Roger Ebert used to love to say, what's more important is how the movie is about it. And I'll tell you, The Sound of Metal has subtitles and you cannot turn them off. The movie is in English, so you don't have to read the subtitles if you don't want to, provided you can hear. And that's the point. The director, Darius Martyr, wants deaf people to be able to watch his movie. So he put the subtitles burnt right in. You can't get rid of them. And he wants non-deaf people to consider, you know, the subtitles and how deaf people have to take things in. And uh, I, I, I'm, I keep saying subtitles. It's technically it's closed captioning. It's not just the dialogue. It's background noises and music indicators and all these sorts of things. The only time we don't get the closed captioning is when people are on screen using sign language before Ruben understands any sign language. The movie, you know, flips back and forth between 
our regular audience kind of point of view, and then Ruben's point of view. The sound goes quiet or extremely muffled as we hear the world, how Ruben hears it. It's very effective, and you realize how much you take your hearing for granted. It's a terrific little character drama. Again, it's uh, easy to see why it's been in this award circuit and why it got six Oscar nominations. Again, not the front runner, uh, maybe in the sound category. It is absolutely worth your time. It is absolutely worth your money, which isn't too much. It is one of those uh, cheap best picture rentals right now. I think I think I paid six or seven dollars renting it through my cable company. Four couch cushions out of five for Sound of Metal. Highly recommended. All right, I changed my tune. I do care about this one. Uh, that's that's a, a that was a great review, and it sounds awesome. And I love Riz yeah. Ahmed, so maybe I will have to put this one on my radar. That sounds tremendous. It's less than two hours, Brett. You'll like it. It's only uh, one forty-five. You could watch this movie two and a half times in the time it'll take you to watch Justice League. <laughs> Okay, that's a fair argument, Jeff. Another compelling reason why I should check out that movie. Up next, I want to tell you about a show that I think you should check out on Netflix. It is one of the most fascinating shows I have watched in years. You are listening to The Couch Potatoes. I want to tell you now about a show that debuted last week on Netflix. At last check, it was number two on the Canadian Top Ten. It's called The One. I have a secret that I want to share with you. A single strand of hair is all it takes to be matched with the one person that you are genetically guaranteed to fall in love with. Right now, you're selling me a fairy tale. This will change relationships and dating forever. They won't ever be the same again. What a thought-provoking concept. I mean, just imagine, you submit your DNA and you find your perfect match. The one person you are guaranteed to fall in love with. Sounds kind of nice, doesn't it? At least, at first. You have no idea the sacrifices I've made for this company. It's this matching thing. It messes with people's heads. What's got into you? If we'd never met, do you think you would have got matched? Why would you obstruct the investigation like that? We're gonna find out what happened. You may not get the truth. Other people, they get to be happy, but I don't. I knew I should never have trusted you. This is on you. We'll make our choices. Maybe none of us really know what's most important to we have to choose. All right, so first off, I have not been as fascinated with the show's concept as much as I have with this one in I don't know how long. I just, I love this kind of speculative stuff. I guess maybe since I've watched Black Mirror, because it's quite Black Mirror-ish in its concept. That's the show that looks at speculative science fiction, where each episode is an individual story that imagines a certain technology and the pitfalls that come with that technology. That uh, show, by the way, that series is also on Netflix if you want to check that out. But just think about it for a sec. I mean, let's say you're single, okay? I'm single. Um, if you're looking for love, like really looking for love, trying to find a mate, how great would this be? No more guesswork, no more trial and error, no more cost of the initial song and dance of dating. And even never mind all that, just finding someone to go out on a date with can be hard enough well before you even get to the love stage. You just submit a strand of hair, poof, tells you who your match is. That's easy. But then that's where the questions start. What if you're single 
and you're not necessarily looking for love, that's where I would fall in. Would I want to give up that whole process of finding that person? I mean, love is life's great adventure. That moment of discovery when you realize, holy crap, I think I'm falling in love with this person. It's a joy. Would you want to give that up? Or what if you're in a happy relationship or a happy marriage and then this service comes along? Would you be able to resist the temptation, resist your curiosity? And would you be able to trust that your partner won't go and get tested for a match themselves? And what happens if you do take the test or you just somehow find out who your match is? Do you then leave your partner? And here's another one. How much of the effect is placebo? We see in the show that there are some people who have genuine, irresistible connections. But is there a chance that you love this person because the one told you to? I.e., here's your match. You must love them. Well, the one told me we were matched, so therefore I guess I must love you. And how far would you be willing to go? What if you live in Canada and your match is in, I don't know, Indonesia or something like that? Are you willing to pack up and move across the world, give up your whole life? Honestly, Jeff, my head was just spinning this week going over all the potential questions and pitfalls, and I just love that. I love when a show makes me stop and think, and I love this show. And I say, screw you, Rotten Tomatoes, because they've got the one pegged at 14%. Now, to be be fair... Only seven reviews have been posted at last count, so that's not a lot. But I've read other reviews and articles elsewhere online that aren't great. But I say, forget that. I am really enjoying this. I'm almost done the series. It's eight episodes. I've watched seven. I suppose maybe one of the reasons why people might be down on it is because on top of the brilliant concept, there is this crime story woven throughout involving the creators of The One. The company is led by a character named Rebecca Webb. She is a brilliant but ruthless, power-hungry scientist. And the co-creator scientist, well, let's just say things are complicated and leave it there. But I think it's... I thought it was balanced. It is balanced nicely between the various subplots and it shows the different ways the service messes up people's lives all while getting to the bottom of this overarching crime story. I like it a lot. I think it's entertaining. I recommend it. Rotten Tomatoes be damned. The one is a cool show. I'm anxious to watch the final episode. I'm actually going to try to do that right after we're done here and then watch four hours of Justice League. So, Jeff, I've got some homework. (laughs) So I guess we got to get out of here. I'm Brett. He's Jeff. We are the Couch Potatoes. Remember, if it requires getting up off the couch, don't bother.